Welcome. Please wait while we verify your identification. Access granted. Welcome to WolfNet. Commencing orbital hot drop in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to WolfNet Radio. I'll be your host tonight, Matthew the Bloodbath Barons. Tonight we got some awesome co-hosts. We were going to try and have a six-pack, but we only came out with five. So, starting off, let's go ahead and give a warm welcome to Andrew the Minnow Krull. Welcome back to the show. Good evening, everybody. And as always, Thomas, Silent Sea Raven Kruger. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Newcomer on deck, Craig 11Z's White. Welcome to the show. Good evening. And another newcomer, Max, Medron Pride Prohaska. Welcome hey to the show. Hey, guys. Did I pronounce that right, Mahaska? Prohaska? Yes, Prohaska. Yes, you nailed it. Awesome. So tonight we're going to start off with some of our newcomers, and especially with getting some new blood into the community for Battletech and Alpha Strike. Starting off with uh, Craig, 11Z's White, would you mind... uh, Introducing yourself and explaining to us how you became into Battletech. Uh, well, I'm a gamer by heart. I originally, my experience with tabletop gaming was very limited. Uh, it was the video games for me. Um, but I met you guys at the Orange City store about a year ago and got involved in the tabletop and it just kind of cascaded from there. Yeah, well, that was a great introduction because you've given us pretty much a run for your money as soon as you got on the table. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie, sometimes the dice love me. Yeah, so says your new call sign, too. We've had uh, plenty of experience getting used to 11s across the board. By the way, that was a great game. You uh, really schooled us for a while. Uh, you know, I might have lost the battle, but... It was, I'm not going to lie, I had a blast. Win or lose, I was having fun. And that's the main point, is having fun. We can never lose sight of that. So, now that you've got into Battletech and a little bit of Alpha Strike, you've started to put together maybe a collection of miniatures and maybe looked at some units. What's some of your factions? Um... Oh, well, off the top of my head, I'd have to probably put them in front of me to really know, but I know I've got, uh, I've got one lance of, uh, oh, I'll have to dig them out, I'm sorry. Well, you've been pushing some Draconis Combine for sure, right? Yeah, I've got at least one lance of Draconis, I've got... Sounds like we got a faulty heat sink. <laughs> we'll work around that if we can. I know he's, so, he's been fighting uh, permission issues with his microphone in the chat. So. Ooh. Somebody doesn't have clearance, Clarence. <laughs> She's beginning to shimmy and shudder. Your vector, Vicker. Yeah, the, the micro. Uh, the microphone's fighting with me tonight. I don't know why. 
Yeah, you're sounding okay now. And that's fine. We can make do. So a little little track envy going on with some uh, Draconis Combine. Maybe we'll uh, see if we can find you like an alternate ego faction to kind of balance that out too sometime. Because I know I usually run like a mercenary unit and a little bit of uh, clan tech. So it's kind of fun having two options in case you have like a, an opponent come up and say, hey, what do, what do you got to play with? Well, let's see what we can match up with. That'd be a good good ensemble. Well, I, uh, my first lance that I uh, put together and painted was the Draconis Combine. Um, you know, and I've got uh, a Naganata, a Thunderbolt, a Hunchback, and a, uh, a Raven in that lance. Um, uh, the second lance I built was a mercenary unit, um, and it was, you know, just a hodgepodge of, of whatever I felt like throwing in there, and, you know, uh, I've, whatever caught my interest was what I, I just built and painted, and I'm sitting on probably seven or eight lances at this point that I've assembled and been working on. So you're really pushing into it whole hog. That's awesome. Um, well, I grew up, you know, uh, building model aircrafts and ships, and so the uh, the metal miniatures, the assembly and painting, is something that really, uh, really strikes home to the core of of me and what I love. That's great. I've done that as well too for most of my life and, and it, it really does carry through to different hobbies and not necessarily like pride or anything but it's it's more like just fun and, and the process in itself of you know taking care to do those kind of things yeah I, I think half the uh, half of the uh, battle with the game itself is just assembling and painting the miniatures the other half is on the table with the dice. Nice. Why you would close the lever? One game, and I, yeah, no, nah, it was just the one game. Not every game, though. I've had my share of failures. Uh, Tommy's minefield adventure was <laughs> nothing but failure. We all failed that. That was like epic destruction. Well, thanks for sharing. That's good on the history. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, get an introduction with Max Bedron Pride Proheska. Max, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into Battletech, sir? Well, the first time I got into Battletech, I was at this little hobby store down in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, and I ran into some guys who were playing this odd little miniature game and they had a big map on the on the wall of uh, five colors you know some blue some yellow some green some purple a little bit of red and uh, they were talking about this great game epic epic space opera type thing and you fought with mechs on the ground and blew stuff up and Sounded interesting to me, and uh, that sort of was my introduction to Battletech. Yeah, how many years was the, the goal was? 
Hmm? How many years ago was that? Ooh, that would have been... I first met them in... Oh, it would have been around 90. Uh, 90 or 91. And I ended up actually starting to actually starting to play myself in about 91 or 92. And that was actually another guy completely different wanted to do a role-playing campaign. And that was when I first played the character of Medron Pride. And I've sort of been Medron Pride in a way ever since. How'd you come up with that character? Well, I was looking for an interesting sounding name. Uh, originally in a different game in high school, I came up with the name of Medron Tef, which I thought sounded kind of cool. Uh, and then I was, <clears throat> ironically, uh, reading a certain trilogy of Battletech by a this slightly unknown author by the name of, I believe, Thurston, who uh, had a, a, you know, a character with the last name of Pride, and I sort of liked that, so I ended up coming up with the character idea that there were two brothers serving the Star League, and one of them went with Kransky and the other stayed home. And my character, Medron Pride, was the descendant of one of them who stayed home. That's interesting with brothers and going to war or staying home. I've actually seen that in my uh, real family with uh, my grandfather and his brothers uh, basically had the same thing. Kind of interesting with family ties. Exactly. Real, real, real or fiction. Yep. So I've, I've basically had 20... 20 years, 25 years of having fun with the uh, Medron Pride character being very unhappy with the Jade Falcons because they turned his family <laughs> name into a bloody rag to be fought over like dogs fight over hot dogs in the street. You hear that, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, I did. Fought that's, over why like I, hot dogs. that's why I was <laughs> laughing. Okay, wait. I, I got it. Are those pigeon hot dogs? <laughs> so that's sort of one of the things whenever anybody accuses me of being a clan fan because of the name I just love to pull out that line and they just kind of look at me sideways and go you're nuts <laughs> well some of us have to be nuts to play the game a little bit the way we do that's cool exactly well, thanks for sharing. That's good. What what else do you have in a, any uh, collection or miniatures that are lances that are uh, usually on the table? Oh boy. Um, uh, I think some of you know how many mechs that Andrew has. Uh, I do not have as many as he does. However, I have had twenty five plus years or so of. Uh, looking for stuff and buying stuff and finding box sets and such. If I only counted my metal minis, I've probably got a couple hundred. If I count my plastics, I could probably triple that number. <clears throat> my, my favorite units would be either Merrick or Torian. 
and hmm. I've spent a fair bit of time putting together a lot of Torian units. Nice. Those are some unique ones that I normally don't hear of very often, but it's nice to see some some differentiation between uh, factions that people like, and that that intrigues me. How like you know how did you latch onto that faction and why? It's really neat. Yeah, the uh, Merrick. I well, they had an eagle as their as their uh, uh, symbol, and they had a very democratic style of government. Very. Um, spread apart, and uh, the uh, I think someone joked about them being a boiling pot, and uh, <laughs> I uh, I just I liked that general style, and I got in, interested in that and started learning more about it. And uh, one of the interesting things about the Merricks is how number one they are actually very similar to the Torians in that they're big vehicle users. And uh, just like the, and, and they have like six vehicle lances, which is an interesting concept. And uh, but I mean, even when you just go to the mech choices, they're going to be some of the very common mechs for the for the Merricks is Hermes, uh, Crusader, Awesomes, um, and. Uh, it, it makes some interesting choices of what you're going to use. There's Thunderbolt and the Orion are also big favorites. And uh, even without going into stuff like in the 3050s when they introduced the Hammer and Anvil, you can, just by going through the production list for Merrick, you can come up with some very interesting lances that very often they don't have the most powerful units on the field. But with two or three of them working together, they actually get some very interesting synergy. That's great. Yeah, Tommy's always had a firm uh, belief in synergy and getting those units tied together. And I like the way you brought out the uh, the anvil and the hammer. How in the in the TRO, the tech readout, it even says that that they work hand in hand. And um, I appreciate that you've taken the time to research through per se, the, the, the mech factories to see what they produce and what they throw together. That intrigues me too because I've, I've looked at even on um, Sarna.net which is a great shout out for research and, and seeing some of those <coughs> excuse me, coming in through so the, the backside of seeing where units are put together with and how it, sometimes it just depends on what, what comes off the factory line, like four to five max per year, you know, of a certain chassis, and seeing why would they carry that? Well, it's because it's coming off the assembly line in their area of the universe or planet or, or whatnot. So those are interesting things to see as well. Yes, very much. The uh, uh, It was interesting doing the same thing with the Torians, too, because of they tended to have much lighter mechs um, in the Torian Concordat. You know, they have a lot of uh, bug series mechs, and, you know, their heavies are like Warhammers and, and Thunderbolts and stuff like that. Uh, so very often, if you wanted to have a unit that had a whole lot of firepower, you ended up having to roll in tanks, where they had access to stuff like the Rommels and the Manticores 
and some of those other interesting, really good tanks with big guns. And uh, so if you wanted to have a really powerful Torian unit while being true to what they built, you ended up having a lot of white Canadian mechs and bring in a couple, you know, bring in a lance of, uh, of heavy tanks to round them out. That reminds me of like Hell's Horses as well and other units that use uh, mixed combat assets of combined arms of infantry, mech support, armor, VTOL aircraft. That's kind of fun too. Well, let's start uh, moving along. Thanks for sharing that. So let's start moving along with um, general discussion of new players coming into Battletech. I kind of want to direct that with if a if a player wants to come into BattleTech and, and Alpha Strike, how can we support that as a community and share what they need when they ask, "Hey, I'm interested in this. How do I get into it?" Anybody got any thoughts on that? Yeah, we we had a agent meeting at. Gen Con this, this year and that question was brought up personally I didn't I didn't like the answer uh, obviously everyone should know we got two new box sets we got a, a beginner box set and a and a new box set whatever you two. want to call it Two new gorgeous-looking box sets. They, they are pretty fantastic. One base set that has what two Eight. double two lances, yep. and another one that has just a pair of mechs. And I'm, for I don't make sorry they they did a very nice job in what they included in the box. The mechs themselves, personally. I think are probably some of the best they've ever put out. So a person is getting quality stuff in that box set. Um, Agreed. I even had um, Bob Wiersma uh, stop by the shop the other night, and he asked, "How did how did the event how did Gen Con go?" And I said, "Here, let me show you the new box set and the beginner set." And he was he couldn't help but just rifle through it and see. Wow, they even have the old pop-out mech. Card um, stance. Yeah. Card stance. And I'm like, yeah. From someone who might appreciate, you know, the older days when it was just those to put on the map sheet instead of miniatures or uh, pewter or plastic. Hell, we played it with any. It, it was neat to see almost any kind of generation of Battletech player have something in that box that they could personalize or tie to their experience from whenever they played. And something to get excited about. Yes. So, at the meeting, to, to give you what the powers that be said, you know, you get into the box set, what's the progression? Well, it's Battletech manual, to get the total warfare rules specifically to battle mechs, which goes right in line with you getting in the box. Then to total war, 
and depending, well, I would argue that you could go Total Warfare or Alpha Strike at that point. Yes. Uh, maybe even take a step back and say your progression would be Battletech Manual or Alpha Strike or both. And, and I mentioned that too to, to Bob that you could choose one or the other and then he asked immediately what's Alpha Strike like and you know, basically gave him the overview and he is really interested to find out and get back into possibly playing some Battletech or new Alpha Strike which was exciting for me to you know bring somebody back from he, he's in his uh, 50s so but He's, he's a fun person that wants to, you know, do exactly that. Have a community of Battletech players. So the question I got for Craig is, you know, you came to the store, and Matt, I'm not 100% on where you were at with the history of Battletech and how you came in. I know Aaron has been, or he started with the beginning and knows the history and I think he dropped off about 35 Jihad era where did you come in or how did how have you taken in the lore well the lore itself I just got into the lore about 9 months ago I think it was uh, the guys loaned me some of the books from, uh, let's see, the Jade Falcon trilogy and... Yeah, we did. What was the other one? Um, Pride, the Pride series. I am Jade Falcon. Um, those, those two <laughs> series uh, were the first on the lore that I've ever really followed. Um... I mean, back in the day, I played the the video games, and I mean, we're talking back in the late '90s uh, when the first couple BattleTech games came out. But the lore, the lore never really stuck with me until recently when I got into it, and I I wanted to know more on the history. Um, and I've got a long list of books right now that I need to be reading, but due to a lot of real life things going on I don't get to get into it as much as I really want to I need I need about three months to just sit down and read every book there is that's, well, you're need more and, than that. and, and to be honest that's the question that we have is the lore is so expansive at this point when a person comes to this game what is in. the correct path how can we direct a new player to well, enjoy the game, but not become overwhelmed? Uh, May I? I believe that I direct people to just start from the beginning, or if they don't have you know the capital to invest in trying to find all those books or time, find a book they can borrow that has their faction in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not everybody's going to get into the lore. Um, I mean, to be honest, what appealed to me in the beginning for this game was Alpha Strike. Uh, Squad-based tactical combat. 
You give me three, four lances, and I'll fight against somebody else with three, four lances, and go from there. Um, That's right. Cover me while I move. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I play X-Wing as a tabletop game. That was my first real tabletop combat. And Alpha Strike offered me a lot more freedom than X-Wing did. Um, I, I got too competitive in X-Wing. I was getting really burned out. And Alpha Strike was this game that was just... It's tactical. It's squad-based. It's fun. It's, it's not stressful. It's quite relaxing. Win or lose, I'm having a blast with it, which was something that just appeals to me on a whole new level. Um, the, the lore was not important to play the game. The lore is a fun aspect of it, and the more you play, the more lore you want to find out. But to play the game, the lore was just not necessary. I like how you said that um, you, you really do notice that you know some of the X-Wing players get burned out almost almost yearly they get burned out because there's there's so much tournament regional meta play and Battletech doesn't necessarily have that um I feel there there in Alpha Strike there is no meta that I've seen thus far it's okay I've got light mechs mediums heavies and an assaults everybody has a role and if you play them to their role they're gonna they're gonna do their job okay I've got two lights I'm gonna use them to flank my very first game I played against my my friend Jeremy um, I ran uh, two lights a medium and a heavy um, and the first thing I did was once I got him you know facing head-to-head -head with my heavy and medium my lights took off and got behind his line and was shooting him in the back I, <laughs> I couldn't ask for a better result from my lights yeah so, likes to do that so the question that like I have now it. for you is is the lore becoming more important well, to the gameplay itself uh, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's on one level, I don't see it as a necessity for me just to play the game and have fun skirmishes, but um, the campaign I've been trying to draw up, the lore is extremely important. Um, right, when you want to build your unit. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to build a whole planet and its defense is based on lore. Wait, wait, wait. You're going to build a planet? Um, I love this idea. Well, that, that, that campaign that I was writing up <laughs> uh, actually was part of one of the Succession Wars. And it's one of the first planets assaulted. Oh, you shouldn't have told us that. That's awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> See, because for me, the lore has driven me. In, yeah, but you're old. Well, I am. And I'm not, I have to. I'm not saying <laughs> that I'm not making any excuses for that. It's just for those of us that I think have been in it for 20 years, Max, you can speak to this, I think, that 
the lore has been the whole reason to play the game. Yes, very much. Uh, one of the one of the things that I liked about the box sets that just came out at Gen Con is that both of them have a universe at a glance section. The uh, the major box set has one that it's a it's fairly expansive. It talks about each major faction. The beginner box set is actually the one that really interests me. Because it only has a uh, two-page fold-out, so a total of four pages of info on the uh, on the on the lore of the game, but it's enough to whet people's appetites. Um, the thing that really interests me about the beginners set is that it's twenty bucks. It has two miniatures, which ironically is what the first BattleTech box set had, uh, and then it has the standees for another eight. And it has the quick start rules, which is Battletech without internal structure, no heat, no critical hits. It's just a much quicker version of the game, and especially in today's gaming market, I think it would be very easy to teach people who are new to Battletech how to play the quick start rules. Uh, and I would love to see them come out with more record sheets for Quick Start to get more people playing the game, because that's something that's it's in between Alpha Strike and Battletech, and would really bring new players. It'd be a lot easier to teach players how to do that than if they want to go either Alpha Strike or Battletech. They could, but uh, but even in the beginner set, that's only twenty dollars. It still has that little bit of that sheet telling about this is what's the what's going on in the inner sphere. This is what each um, major house. Here's some you know some blurbs about each major house, and then it explains what battle mechs are in a few short paragraphs, and what most people want to play the mercenaries. It gives a few paragraphs on mercenaries, and I think that is a very good way of whetting the appetite for people who want to perhaps get further into the universe. Further into the universe. Boy, is there is there really much further to go? There's kind of a... There's got to be a stopping point. I never <laughs> found one. <laughs> I never. Just kidding. <laughs> That's a deep, long roller coaster that once you get on it, you are lost. Because that roller coaster never stops rolling. Yeah. Ask the rest of these guys about looking through TROs for good max. I love doing that roller coaster. I'm one of those guys. Yeah. I I have like four to five copies of each TRO because you might have four or five guys there at the same time who want to look through and pick your max. So, hey, here's all the TROs. Take a look. So well, uh, speaking, now we have that uh, that uh, Mech Factory application for your phone. I mean, that's free, and I love doing that because I don't need the TRO. I can just look at 2,700 chassis that are or more that are listed there. That and that's just that's just Mechs. I detect uh, heresy. No TROs. <laughs> tr- trust me, I, I still have you know I still have a library of. You know, over my 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 desk, and 
I mean, you're still going to find like a, a TRO probably in my vehicle and probably in the can and probably in the kitchen somewhere. So you never know where you're going to find one. Yes, I, I remember going through all the TROs. I've read every single TRO from cover to cover, you know, every mech, every every line multiple times. and Yeah, I've spent a lot of my life reading those TROs. Well, you can't go wrong by staying on the Reading Express train. So... Moving along, did we answer your question, Andrew, for getting new players in? Yes and no. Okay, what 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 are we missing? What what other did, what else did you want? It's just an understanding of, of what path should a person take. I mean, hmm. this year, I don't know if I'm letting them. I'm not letting the cat out of the They released the book. <laughs> They're moving the storyline forward in the word for this coming year was big. And that's directly from the mouth of Brent Evans. Big is the concept for this next year. Um, so the good I think news that's gonna is be, I think the storyline awesome is going to be moving forward again. We're going to be getting some novels. We're going to be getting some source books, which... We've been lacking, missing, and salivating for, and they're going to finally oh, yeah. deliver. So, for a new player, do you start in the current time period that is 3140, 3150, and move forward? And as you move forward, realize that there's this rich history behind you, and make the choice do I want to go back and learn? Or is that not important to me and I just enjoy playing the game? And one of the issues that we have is that with the box sets being set in 3025, but the current storyline being 3150, 3140, it does make that a serious leap for people who want to jump into the lore of the game. I think it's pretty easy to get new players into whatever they want to. Like, depending on what they're what they're doing currently and how, how involved they want to be. I mean, they could be not involved at all and just come to the shop or the community-based play area and borrow uh, lances to even get started. Oh, absolutely. Just, just be introduced. And once you get them on the table, or once you put a book in their hand and say, here, bring this back to me in like a month, generally they're, 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 they're going to be intrigued by it. I don't think I've ever given anybody a Battletech book that didn't follow it. At least something. Or or they say, what do you guys plan? And you open your, your miniature case and they see, <laughs> well, you know, in like Andrew's case, what, 1,500 pieces or more? And Max as well. And then 
like Tommy or or Craig or myself, you see maybe 10, 20, 30. Who is that? Coach. Well, ladies and gentlemen, introducing you again, as Whoa. always, the man of the hour that always comes in at the last minute, Aaron the Coach Kroll. Welcome to the show again. Is that your phone? Oh, okay, we're not so going to get his audio. Where, where are you? Oh, boo. We should probably just skip it. Thanks for calling in. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Have thanks, an awesome man. one, Aaron. Dilly dilly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm here. He's still waiting to move his piece. I thought you were made aware I might be showing up. Go away, we're not recording you. <laughs> Laters. So for all of you that didn't or weren't probably be able to hear, uh, Aaron uh, jumped online from his phone and said hi. And uh, It won't yeah. be in the show because he's not <laughs> recording it. Anyway. However, he sounded nice. So back to back to new players. I don't I don't think you're gonna have a problem with new players getting in or staying in with a new box set. You know how many players who wanted to start said, How do I get miniatures? How do I get pieces? How do I get a box set? And I said, you know, six months ago I was like, Oh, there isn't one. But if you want to try and find one, it's like four hundred and fifty dollars on eBay. No, and why I understand it is October. Now, October is supposed to be out again. Now something came out, something bright and shiny and new, and you can hug it, and you can hold it, and you can paint it, and you can play with it, and it's so much awesomeness. Is there an actual release date? Uh, sometime in October. October. Yep. And the nice thing is that the miniatures in these two box sets are the best plastic miniatures they've ever done and I would honestly put them next to most of the pewter miniatures and go, these are better. I would agree to that. Hey Tommy, how would you describe uh, these new miniatures like a food product? Mm. (laughs) I don't know right now. Delicious. They're beefy. <laughs> and they are. They're, they've got so much more thickness and mass. I mean, you think of a battle mech, you know, like Aaron said, giant stomp your robots. How would you characterize a giant stomp your robot? Would you characterize it as a really tiny little paper thin leg that sticks out of an enormous chest? No, you would think like, oh, it's got to have like tree trunk legs. Like, and, and now they do. That's awesome. That, that, and speaking of the awesome, the awesome in the new box set says, bring it. Isn't that awesome, Andrew? 
It is awesome. <laughs> that yeah, was the joke of the awesome weekend. With an awesome. That it's was the even more awesome Gen Con joke awesome. of the weekend. It's even more awesome with an awesome if you can actually hit something with an awesome and alpha strike. Oh, where's Marv? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Marv, Marv. He's going to listen to this Marv, and curse Marv. us in the car. Well, that's okay. He can, he can curse you. Hey, see if he wants to come on the podcast. I don't know if that would be good for our, our, view, our listening ship. Well, we'll just have like a, you know, like a, a hater episode. Do we have a censor button? Just <laughs> <laughs> be one long beat. Poor Marv played a game with an awesome get Alpha Strike with a single roll to hit each turn and missed every turn, and now he hates it. We've had that story. <laughs> he just collaborated. I didn't make it up. <laughs> oh, I I asked him about Alpha Strike, and you can see the steam. <laughs> Not you see, like the you see, like the blinding fury in his eyes, and you're like, "What happened to you?" <laughs> Bad things. And and now we have the alternate, you know, two d six per point of damage instead of two d six for all damage, and you either hit or miss. And now we can actually get some hits. So, so to that, it's getting better. It's let's, getting better. Let, let's talk about that just a second because we Agreed. ran our event at Gen Con. Okay, let's play here. We're going to transition and move on to Epic Events and Gen Con. All right. Race and go. Okay, so to the 2D6, your table, your your group of four, did they, if I'm not mistaken, they had just started playing Apple Strike? My uh, match group of four had experience with Classic and Alpha Strike, and one of them, one of the four, started uh, spouting rules from the rule book, and I had a lot of fun saying, you know what, I think you're right, you're, you're right, let's check the book and make sure, because he was fast on the draw, smart kid, smart as a whip, you know, me getting old, and kind of slow, and clumsy, and confused sometimes, so it was a lot of fun, like, you're right, and... Also, let's look at this follow-up rule where we could add to that, which will make it even more fun, because now you're really going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> but where I'm going with that is, I believe they made the comment that they liked the 2d6 per point versus the well, yes, all, they did. all or nothing. Yes, they did. It, when, when you look at, at Gen Con... At the event hall, you you looked around the tables, seeing people play. I mean, other tables and your table, like our our host group table. You you heard hoots and hollers. You heard laughing. You you heard um, some frustration, but you you heard um, joy, and you saw smiles, and you saw some frowns. You know, when they had ticked like an ammo hit, but you saw lots of laughing and fun and excitement. You look around, like, on your perimeter around you, besides our table, and you did not really see that. And that's what made the difference for me, was seeing the proof and how people were reacting to our host event. I disagree. That made me... Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure your table saw a lot of uh, ammo hits uh, around you. 
Yeah, wasn't your table the most frustrated? <laughs> yes. Well, I did say there were some. <laughs> how many? How many? How many ammo critical hits did you deliver, I did, Thomas? I did uh, three oh. ammo critical hits and one headshot. Oh. I did take a head cap. I did take a head capper. That was kind of cool. So we just got rolled over. They just what rolled over us. What, what was that, Andrew? They just rolled over us. Who? You and who? Aaron. Aaron. So Aaron lost two heavies and two assaults in three rounds. I don't know how that's possible, but he did it. Which, which mechs did he lose? Remember? Battlemaster. Uh, Archer. Galloglass. Did he stand still? You're not helping our average. <laughs> so let's, I mean, listeners, don't, don't get us wrong. When we do this host event, the, these new players or regular veteran players, they come up and they want an event, and we, we set up a nice a nice event where they can either A, learn, or B, school us. <laughs> and if they do both, we've done our job. Exactly. I, uh, I and, and last year, I got my butt kicked, and I was, I was, I was happy for it. This year, I was kind of sad that I won. <laughs> but th- they loved it, because what did they get when they still walked away from the table at the, at the end of that event. They got a mini that was painted awesomely. Shout out to Mr. Painter himself, Menno. Yeah. And you supplied the certificates of completing a, you know, like a, a cadet, you know, training to, hey, this is how you play the game. We're going to give you some ins and outs of it, and now you can be able to go back to your hometown or wherever. You can start your own community. You can start this game and get it rolling. I mean, that made me so happy to uh, teach and let them uh, innovate and, you know, beat us. Show us how to do it. Aaron's not here. And we had we had the idea of this format that, that we've been doing, and I can't be happier with it. It has given people exactly what we wanted to deliver, and people are having fun doing it. So we're going to continue. Um, I don't know how many we'll run next year, but we'll run one for sure. Depends if we bring any more uh, personnel to help host. That'll determine if we have you know one solid group of twelve that we can play with. Yeah, I mean, if we did one a day, that's still a six-hour block each day. But twelve people walk away from the table happy. That's true. And that was that was neat too. And we even took photos. We had group photos of, of people holding their minis and their certificates. And that was neat too. We got to start posting some of those. I was going to say, remind me, I got to get those posted to Wolster Goons. Um, I uh, a I posted a few on our uh, I posted a few on our uh, Facebook page, the WNRP. Well, I had a couple of people reach out directly, asking 
for that photo. So remind me Ooh, to yeah. follow up with that. Let's build that contact list too so people can communicate either uh, within states or within the nation or from across and abroad across the ocean. Um, get some international contacts as well. Yeah. Kind of fun. Do you want some friendship? <laughs> no. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. That'll be, uh, yeah. yeah. Friendship is magic. Oh, no. Literally, you don't have no idea what we're talking about. We're going to have him on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him up on it. We're going to get him on the podcast. His kind of friendship was uh, 70 long-range missiles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his, that was a 70 long-range 70 long range friendship missiles. missiles. Two heavy PPCs and a Gauss rifle. And a partridge of pear tree. That's a lot of loving right there. <laughs> Friendship. Good night, everybody. A lot, of, friendship. a lot of friendship there. Jeez. All right, have we? Have we, you want to touch base on any more of our uh, host event? No, it okay. went really well. Move, People walked away happy. Along, yeah. Moving along, Tommy. Why don't you go ahead and lead us in uh, the uh, Masters and Minions event since you started to talk about that with Augustine. What do you do, disappear? Tommy? He's gone. Oh, shoot. Well, we'll fill in. Andrew, you want to fill? So, our Masters of Minion game was against Craig. He is the uh, second in command with the minis or catalysts. And we had Augustine or the CSO artist known as God and Davian. He is from and, Spain. And Mr. Friendship. And Mr. Friendship. <laughs> so, we we had a night sky, a wraith, uh, accident, and we got a war cord. And we went up against <laughs> two black knights, a longbow, and a templar. And the game was over before we even got three hexes <laughs> onto the table. I I believe we what maneuvered for four or five turns, yeah. And then I and then I peeked over a hilltop for partial cover and should have jumped instead. And I got cored with everything, and that basically spelled the end. Peekaboo did not work for you. I, I, yeah, not much went in the dirt. I mean, Craig even said, he's like, yeah, huh, oh, that's funny. Usually most of these shots go into the dirt, but they don't seem to be going into the dirt. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went from, like, marking my classic sheet to just staring at him for about ten seconds, and I'm like, that was awesome. I have to smile and say thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You should tell it. That's good. So, after the de- de- after the demise of my Axeman 2N, the double LRM-15 variant, I, I just became the sad puppy dog, like, does this mean I'm not playing anymore? And he's... <laughs> You want to play one of ours? And instantly, like, traitor, traitor, 
Traitor. Traitor. Get back over here, traitor. Like, yeah, to shoot us again. Dick. I suppose I better go over there and at least still be able to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take the Black Knight with a big stripe. <laughs> so then I, I tried to enjoy, but I guess sort of enjoyed watching the rest of my lands get wiped out. Yeah, it was disgusting. <sighs> we came to the table ill-prepared with highly maneuverable mechs for close infighting that we probably should have switched out for brawlers like the others were. <laughs> well, I we're mean, not going to make that mistake next year. No. It, in fact, you know, we, we could just copy that list and just turn it on somebody else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But that wouldn't be very you know, unique. But it would be fun. Yeah. I think we'll use that as our test subject at the shop or anywhere else, like they're up there at the fallout shelter for you or, you know, like, what what do we have to do to, to play Masters of Minute where you have to be friendship, you know, lands of destruction and raining PPCs and LRMs? Like, oh, yeah, what kind of mechs are those? Like, they're assault mechs that move at least 4.6.0. They have standard engines, and they have plenty of long range, and they have medium pilots. It was rough. Yeah, you, you are, what, two heavies and two assaults, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we even, we even, you know, it's like, oh, that can't be right for the battle value. I'm like, can't be right. No. Look up later, I'm like, we were oh, that was, oh, yeah, it was right. I wonder how long it took them to find those specific, you know, nice all-around, you know, fill into the the template of what you want a great mech to be. It's got to have massive firepower, unlimited range, decent speed, standard engine. Well, the part go wrong. The the issue that I have that I walked away from that table with is those were straight up even BV forces. There was zero chances of us winning that game. That could be another discussion. Yeah. Let's put a pin on that. Yeah. <laughs> So what you're saying is we didn't have a chance. No. I mean, we, we did sign up for, kind of for like the competitive side instead of the like casual game because it's kind of like you want to be competitive or you want to be casual. You want to play some decent players or you want to play like, you know, authors. <laughs> One of the things that I had... Uh fun doing back in, uh, you know, a few years ago with the uh, box sets that Catalyst was coming out with in the last five or ten years that had the 20-some battle mix in them, 20-some plastics. I used to have a lot of fun uh, putting together 
four mech lances. One that would be like a, a that would work for Davian, one for Liao, one for Steiner, and you know, have one assault, one heavy, one medium, one light in each one. And without using a mech more than once, try and get it so each faction would have a mech would have a lance that fit the faction for lore, but was also a decent total unit so that you could put any faction against any other faction and have a reasonable chance of winning. And uh, it's a very interesting balance act to do. And it's very difficult to do it just right. And in the end, when it comes to trying to do balanced fights of any kind, very often the mech choice will decide who's going to win before it starts. Because there's only so much you can do with pilots to modify how good a mech is. If, if you have one or two weapons going up against somebody with five weapons, depending on what they are, it can sometimes be really, really difficult to balance against that. Yeah, we totally agree with that. Um, Andrew put together the uh, uh, list for our host event to be relatively even, and, you know, cadet, cadet units versus um, our Dragoon regiments. Right, regiments? Am I saying that right? Sure, yep. Battalions? Battalions, regiments? Yep. Um, whether it be Alpha, Beta, the Wolf Spider, uh, Zeta. And that is very difficult. And that, that probably took quite a bit of time to put those matches together, which which was uh, really awesome. And like you said, Max, that some mechs are just going to tear you apart compared to others, even though they might be you know, equal tonnage, same movement, some of those weapon systems are just going to have a lot better chance of making hits count. Just an example from uh, one of the two of the basic mechs in in uh, the game for the last five or ten years. You got the Hunchback and the Enforcer. Uh, they each are four six. Now the Enforcer has jump jets, which is, which is nice, but the Hunchback has that twenty point damage auto cannon. Uh, in a lot of cases, the Enforcer is never going to have a chance. Yes, it outranges it, but unless you are able to use the terrain to your advantage, it's going to be really difficult to keep that that uh, Hunchback from getting into range. And once that Autocannon 20 starts talking, that Enforcer is going to be losing limbs every turn. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to keep up with that much kind of that that kind of damage. I, I I love handing a new player a hunchback and just going, <laughs> okay, you've got an AC twenty three six nine range. You got two medium lasers three six nine range, and if you really feel like it and you really want to uh, send the kitchen sink out, you got a small laser at one two three. Now I'm gonna take an enforcer. You're gonna have a lot of fun fighting me. <laughs> And uh, the light in their eyes when they start rolling the 2d6 to see if they hit with that AC-20. It is 
beauty to the whole. Yeah. Yeah. So we got one event left at Gen Con. Yep. That you know that that you just speaking of. At. Speaking of, uh, you know, Max talking about whether you have matches of mechs that are, you know, similar point value or battle value, some mechs are just going to reign supreme. And I really had an opportunity at the Blood Rite to capitalize on that when I, as giddy as a... As someone winning like the when 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 James or Jeremy called my name for the mech pick in second place, I felt I I, I swear I heard the Miss America pageant music, and I started looking around like I was going to start crying, <laughs> but um. That excited me more than anything else at Gen Con because I knew that I was going to grab not the not the thirty second pick, <laughs> <laughs> not not like that twenty third Mad Dog B like last year, not the last one left on the table. But I was going to grab that Highlander two C that had a standard engine, some pulse lasers. A gauze rifle, an LRM-20, two streak sixes, jump capability, and a bunch of armor and a standard engine. Like I am taking that, and I'm gonna do I'm gonna do so many people with it. <laughs> and, and you did, yeah. What I was I actually like jumping up and down when I started to pick. Um, We're excited. <sighs> I think I was excited. I think you were at that point of you're you're about to grab something while the other, the guy in front of you was still picking. So <laughs> yeah, he he was still he just uh, what was it? Jeremy was still counting down, and I was ready to grab. And, and Andrew said, "Nope, turn around, close your eyes." I'm like, oh, breathe, breathe. Please don't take the Highlander. Please don't take. <laughs> kind of an ex- giddy little girl. I was, I was, I was ready to probably put on a tutu. Whoa! I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't have cared. Whoa. I had a Highlander two C. I wouldn't have cared. Highlander two Cs and tutus are awesome. You know, I might have to find a little one to put on the miniature. <laughs> Just kidding. So, um, when we started preparing for Gen Con, it was, what are we going to do for? What are we going to do for the blood rite? It's like, hope you get a good draw for your mech pick. And hopefully there's enough mechs on the table of your choosing. Like, look at Tommy. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I got like my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, probably tenth pick picked out in order right now. And I'm making a list in case I don't get a good spot order to, to choose my my piece I'm going to have to ride in to knock some mechs down because there are some good chassis I did not want to fight against too what were your guys' thoughts Tommy, Andrew I uh, 
I got picked, uh, I don't know what number I got picked. I thought I was picked in the top half, at least. Um, but. And it was a full, it was a full pack this year. It was 32 solid plus. What, somebody didn't show up when they threw one in from the... Oh, there was more than what was needed. They had people in line. Yeah, walk-ups. Waiting list and whatnot. So, um, I, uh, I didn't, I, you, everybody said, you guys told me, he's like, alright, make sure you go look at the mechs. Don't look, you can't look at the pilot, of course, but look at the mechs, look at uh, piloting skills and whatnot, see what you like. And I, uh, I didn't follow too much with that. So, um, I, uh, when I got picked, I went on the side of the table that I thought was good, and I, uh, I chose a standard mech with T targeting computer and pulses. That was a great pick. So, I, uh, I figured that. It wouldn't hurt anything going with something like that. So, um, what'd you pick? You picked a. I picked a Warhammer Two C Three. Solid. So, no jumping capabilities, which was uh, something I missed because I like jumping a lot. Um. I, I, I'm more prone to jump just to add modifiers for the other guy than uh, add, I, I don't care adding modifiers to myself so having five medium pulse lasers at that point at one point that would be uh, oh, it would be uh, it would be down to numbers and I would have the numbers there so especially with a negative three that's awesome yep But I, uh, my first matchup was up against the mech. I was almost matched up perfectly with, so, um, he had a targeting computer, he had a heavy large, he had pulses, um, the only thing he had was he had jumping capabilities and, uh, XL engines. That was a Phoenix Hawk 2C you were up against? Yep. So, I don't know. I can't remember what Andrew had. I had a four ERP L10X Street Six. It's the M variant. That's played, solid too. I played against uh, one of the kids that was in our event. And That's right. Was, there were two or three of them. Yeah, he was in a four. And I think the only difference. He had a ultra AC twenty in a Street Four or something like that. I beat Street him. Six in a small laser. I beat it's like him. the C variant. And I forget I had went up again an assault the next round that had an AC twenty with a special HUD of minus two on his AC. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, I was yeah. Yeah, I was one of those 
I was one of those other jerks with the gauze that had a negative two pilot hey, special. Kodiak? No, it wasn't. No, I didn't see a Kodiak. Grizzly? No. No, it was a Kingfisher. There you or... go. It's Kingfisher. That's right. There were a bunch of gun bunch of Kingfishers. The Snow Ravens had some neat had some nice mechs out, and I Yeah, I was really happy to see a good smorgasbord of mechs that I wanted to run. Anyway, we do would the entire match and we ended up standing still for I think five or six rounds and I ran him out of AC-20. He kept That's right, dirt. he was like popping the hill all around you. I mean, without fail, the AC-20 would hit and then hit the dirt. Were you partial covered? Yeah. Yeah. I yep. I've never been in a game where we stood and had that many shots go in the dirt, especially being a twenty point weapon. Now to to kind of be on a tangent that this scenario instance of you have partial cover on your target, you you, you fire your weapon, you have a hit. You, you roll 2d6 and you get a hit. So the game establishes you have a hit. Partial cover. And then you roll location. But it defies it and goes in the dirt. Yeah. Does, that's never sat well with me for gameplay... I mean, I, anybody can argue, and I, I may be wrong, but... Max, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the old school rules... The old school was punch, punch location. location. It was. Punch to hit location was always like back in the day. The and problem that was, was... That was really rough, especially once you had stuff like targeting computers and pulse lasers come out, where it got to be, if you had partial cover, you were dead because they were going to chew your, your torso apart. Um, and I that's actually, fine. I actually really like the new, uh, what's, to me anyway, the new partial cover rules, where you mm-hmm. just get a plus one, but then you roll full body. And I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think it's a lot better in a game that now has the targeting computers and pulse weapons, all these things that reduce modifiers, I think they had to do something to keep punch, to keep partial cover from being deadly. Yeah, that's that's a good, I like that argument, both sides right there with punch location, or it's okay in the dirt. Because I remember back in the day where I get so many more headshots. Or, you know, if you're, if you're shooting at a mech, and you've already, you that, that kind of that's the kind of point that that catches me is you've already established a hit. You've rolled a two d six. It's a hit, but then it takes the hit away. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand why it would be annoying to lose the hit after you got it. <laughs> But, Especially when this guy shoots how many rounds of <laughs> AC-20 at Andrew? A lot. Into the dirt. 
What was it? Was it two tons or one ton of ammo? I think it was like three. Yeah, because <laughs> the the new newer variants of maybe if you look at the progression of the variants and the mechs of like the Thor or or whatever mech, and it carries an AC twenty, you see that progression from where it, it's always been one to two tons of ammo for the first you know Omni Max. Then it turns into three tons because it's never enough because they use that. Oh, the Blitzkrieg theory of overrun your objectives fast and hard. Don't worry about resupply. Now you have to because you're playing campaigns. You're playing, you know, Alpha Strike where you're going to have to have resupply. Oh, it reminds me. I was thinking about this today. We'll put a pin in that one too. Doing the tournaments. Having support points. That you have to repair your mechs or go into the next game damaged, or you could turn in victory points for support points. So you would end your day with less victory, which is a determination of who wins, but you have this ability to repair and move your force through the tournament. Pin that one. That's a good one. I like that too. I just I wanted to get that out while I was remembering to say it. So, well, speaking of that one too, weren't we also discussing uh, objectives for tournament play? Yes. You want to expand upon that? Well, we talked about at the agent meeting too about having a competitive play, and yeah, there really is no opportunity to get that wrong. If you come out with a with competitive play rule set, it has to be right. I don't think it can be where we, A, we did this, and it sort of works, and we're going to change it, and then we're going to change it, and people will lose interest. Can't keep up. You mean like, you mean like loopholes or problems with it? Yeah. So, going Going the route with having objectives, you know, the thought I had was because I, I personally like seeing mixed units where we would have objectives that you could only get if you had infantry, or you could only get if you had vehicles, meaning you had to go across this big expanse of water, and if you didn't have a hovercraft, you weren't going to achieve it. Now, you could, knowing, going into these tournaments, that these are the type of objectives that we're going to have. And you could go in not having units to achieve those objectives and give those up with the idea that maybe I'll make those up depending upon the type of scenario I get. Or major problem happens and you can't achieve that next scenario or objective because say like you took a you mentioned water necessary hovercraft if you took a mech and you just walked along the bottom of like this water expansion the scenario time frame would allow you to do that right well not only that but the the mech might not be able to even you know get up like a 
a level four cliff face with oh on the other set side the out of the so water. It couldn't be done. Okay. Yeah, because you can only do water. You know, you can only walk in and out of water, anyways. For classic Alpha Strike, it'd be different. So those are the those are some of the thoughts. I just don't know how that would work for the current players doing tabletop, and whether that would work with the way other competitive events go. I know War Machine in Hordes is very much objective based. And I mm. think 40k and Age of Sigmar have moved to more objective-based uh, tournament points. I might be off. Somebody will correct me. No. I'm sure. But well, I'd like to. I'd like to rule that out before you know just passing over it. Yeah, facts are facts, and. You know, if they're correcting, they're correcting. But I, yeah, I think you have something there with the tournaments and, and the objective base for point values or win conditions. And it makes the game more focused, where it's, hey, dude, stop dawdling, stop slow playing. You have to get this before a certain number of turns. You know, it's just like with the blood name, like, hey... This opponent just attacked me, you know, always advancing, got a critical hit on me, and then he's running away. And it's fun to look into the rule book set to see that if this is called out to a judge, and if the judge sees fit, the judge may make alterations to the scenario of the blood right, where if you're not advancing on the other unit, They'll turn the maps over and go to glass floored parking lot. Or which they did. start to Yep. <laughs> which is perfectly Oh, yeah, I should So taking a step back to um, the three to one ratio I had was three wins and one loss to single elimination. I picked my Highlander 2C. Uh, my first opponent was someone who had a Cauldron Born double AC-10 variant. And he played very well, very strategic. He had a two pilot um, for, for piloting. It was like a 4-2. So, you know, average shooting, but he had pilot skill that could, you know, solid. He was probably hardly ever going to fall down. And it was probably the hardest opponent because he was very, very methodical in his movement, terrain, and couldn't just overcome the, the massive damage from um, pulses and, and other weapons. Like, my gauze usually missed quite a few times, even with a negative two modifier for every, for the gauze. It would just be like the odd, oddball 2d6 that didn't just, didn't show up for the game. That was kind of discouraging, but I'm not, I'm not going to argue with, you know, being like semifinals and like top four or five or whatever the, whatever I got to. Um, Man and I fought against a uh, Thor D, and he was just moving all over the place. 
and I had to for sure get a couple shots off and I could barely move because the, the the conditions on the environment were fog and basically I was practically immobile for the modifiers because otherwise I have to roll piling all the time and that would have just I would have fell down on myself every every turn so that was very slow but um, sooner or later we just went we, we quit moving and just shot at each other until he had torsos open and then last opponent um, finally someone outruled me for hunted hunter and took away my took away my ability to have the, the Highlander 2C and chose uh, you missed the opponent in there oh I did didn't I <laughs> Tommy, you were there to see that. You explain him. Uh, I remember the guy as Seth the Dick. <laughs> well, uh, I I apologize, Seth, if you are listening to this. But uh, there are some people in the world that are uh, are rule oriented people, and I understand that. But when you start counting people's heat and people's damage on their mechs on the other side of the table, it gets a little bit much. Um, he was. A, I think he was a little bit fast he was, on things. He was. He was. He was trying to go a little bit too fast and didn't allow you to uh, play the game in a civilized manner to the point of if you wanted to make a decision on whether if you wanted to use your chip or not. I think he just wanted to roll through you. It was it was kind of an eccentric person that talked extremely fast. You couldn't quite understand him. He'd throw down his dice, pick him up before you could see the result, and complain a lot over... Uh, things that really weren't even issues until you know it's kind of like that discussion on some people know how to mitigate the the gameplay or you use the power <coughs> they can to gain an advantage whether it's game or just personality and I had uh, the first the, the, the first matches we had, the first match of, of the entire event, I, I had heard him and another uh, Marv. player. He played Marv. I think Marv played the guy that left within three turns, but Seth was all the way down on the end, on his other end, other side. And yeah, so I think Marv... Oh, Marv was his second match. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's how that happened. So... The first match, he was down on the far end, and Marv and I, he, Mar, Marv and I were next to each other, and you could hear this kid arguing like all the time, like the way dice were being thrown down, the, the what map was being used, how many maps, and it was just like, what the hell is going on down there? Like, Don't be a are they gonna have a, are they gonna have a <laughs> fist fight? And the judges. You know, like uh, James and, and Jeremy just started 
swarming occasionally and, and really, really uh, focusing on that player's matches. Because it, it got to the point where I was so annoyed by the personality where I, it was be, you know, like normal play, it's like, hey, we're going to walk through the modifiers, we'll look at this, any questions, no, roll the dice, okay, hit, no hit, miss, whatever, you know, initiative. This was so fast, like you weren't given the opportunity to calculate, you weren't, it, it's like, there was a point in that game where I almost wanted to say, here's my sheet, mark the damage, roll all the dice yourself. Like, it was to the point where I didn't want to play the person because he, you were being bombarded by just... Matt. Yeah. Go be a dick. Anyways. End of yeah, story. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so You're getting frustrated. But, just tell him, don't be a dick. Yeah, I, but... Uh, Yes, still, still, still a good match. You know, he took a Mad Cat S and nailed him with the Highlander. Once he got within range, it was too easy. It was just everything that led up to that. <laughs> uh, last match was against a Timberwolf, and I had a Timberwolf. H. I was I was told to use the Timberwolf H because I was the hunted. So basically, I lost the opportunity to choose you know the big mech to, to use. So that really was a disadvantage. But um, I was able to choose terrain. So I said, eh, why not? I got a hair on my ass. Here, we'll just turn the maps upside down. And I got all these weird looks from everybody. What are you doing? I'm like taking away all the advantages. We're pretty much neck and neck in size, weight class, weapon systems. I'm gonna choose negative four on the heat scale. Let's just let's just go toe to toe and just beat the crap out of each other. Let I don't care. Her. Like well. like I've I've got my Highlander two C what I wanted. I'm not gonna lose it. I'm prepared for this match to fail. Like you said, butter buck. I I don't expect to come out of this. <laughs> I was more than happy to, you know. Oh, nice shot! I got head capped. Sixteen damage to the skull. You know, held on my paw. I'm like, good job. That was awesome. It was a good play. Way to whack my pilot. <laughs> you know, so I walked away extremely happy and uh, seen a lot of deviation and how the games were played where one opponent would write every every weapon he used and he would actually calculate on the back of his classic sheet what he was going to fire that turn, where his heat was going to be at. So he would take like three minutes to jot everything out and, and get ready to shoot. And that was really neat. I don't know if I could do that though. So I mean the players you run into are so much fun because you learn where they're from and you have a great experience uh, uh, socially overall and some might not be so much fun. <laughs> but anyways. 
Anything else about the blood rite? No. I uh, I had a pretty uh, fun. You got an alibi. I had a fun time. Yes, you you need to talk about your your opponent. All right. That you. Yep. I uh, I won the the hunted. I had the uh, the Warhammer two C three with the T comp and the. The me the medium pulses and the heavy large and he had a Phoenix Hawk two C with we had the same pilot we had four five he had jump jets and the XL engine I had the standard engine uh, and no jump jets and we uh, we went to town um, it ended up being like what what you would expect from a blood right it was toe to toe. Uh, mech, big mech, big heavy assault, whatever, up front. Um, it came down to the point that he realized that I had five medium lasers, medium pulse lasers, and I was hitting them with deadly force. So he kept on jumping. Um, just kept on jumping and and about three quarters through the match he came on some uh pretty good luck and uh he uh he managed to blow my leg off now we were both four we had a gunnery of four five our gunnery piloting was four five and i did not stay standing it was no it was impossible almost uh but the, the thing that helped me out was back to the, I had the standard engine. So all those medium pulses, uh, they were in my torsos. And the two heavy larges, one was in each arm. So to, to mitigate my heat, I would just only fire one, one uh, heavy. Uh, and I've already been, I was already doing that before. And, uh, so I just stayed down in the prone, had propped one of my arms up and continued to fire. Um, that (laughs) ended up probably, uh, winning me the match. Um, cause it automatically gave him a plus one to hit me cause I was in the prone. Uh, but he continued to jump. Oh. And all he really had to do was jump five hexes to be in uh, you know, one hex away from me, and he would have got a minus one to hit me. But um, he didn't. He uh, he kept on jumping between a heavy woods, and uh, and then he would jump into. Uh, more he would he'd go jumping into heavy woods and then he would uh, go into water and then he would run out and go into some heavy woods and jump into water and that's how he kept on doing it. Um, the uh, so he kept on doing that. Now um, some rules that I don't that I that I didn't remember too well. Um, 
of course the heavy pulse or the heavy lasers where you have to plus plus one we just came out of alpha strike so my mind was brain fried on alpha strike going into classic uh which is a hard transition yes we um were. and that was interesting to making sure that we transitioned back to classic yeah we uh but then we got into some of the uh, rules that I wasn't used to and it if it made me feel like I I was in a, a storyline of one of the books and uh what happened next was pretty awesome he uh I was I was ripping him pretty good in the uh torsos and uh he made his final move he jumped from a heavy tree into a, a a depth one water made his roll skill roll uh still stand uh he fired all his weapons at me and then I started firing all uh the weapons that I was going to fire back at him and my heavy, my, the first weapon I hit was the the heavy large, and it blew his torso off, uh, his like right torso. Um. There and that went two, uh, two engine hits, and a whole bunch of heat sinks, and his heat went immediately up to positive 25 um uh i had five medium pulses after that um and they uh, i'd say only made me three of them hit didn't do any too much damage after that i think one of them or maybe two of them even hit the dirt but he uh damn dirt he rolled for um What was it? He he rolled a positive. He skill. rolled the first pilot skill, and um, he went unconscious. And then oh. his second pilot skill was automatic uh, shutdown because he couldn't roll, or he he went on un- oh, he went so unconscious and so then he shut down. So going through the heat scale, yeah. So he uh, he should have fell down then too. Maybe then he didn't go unconscious then. Well, unconscious isn't an automatic fall. Well, well he, sh- he had twenty points of damage. Well, then yeah. he didn't go unconscious. He then he he uh, he just shut down. So the mech just shut down because it was still standing. Uh, otherwise, I don't think I would be able to hit it from my prone position if it fell down. Nah, it's all the same. It's all the same time period. So, what ended? Well, that the reason why I said that is because the the round after that is the round that I killed him in. <laughs> um, with the mech shut down and he can't do anything about it, I had a minus four to. It hit him. So I'm not used to uh, mechs shutting. I'm used to everybody playing within heat efficient 
efficiency. And uh, he, well, that little previous turn he jumped and lost uh, engines and uh, double heat sinks and fired almost all of his weapons and everything at me. And uh, it's not too often I see somebody trying to be competitive go up positive 25 in a match. So uh, when he shut down and I got a minus four, I fired everything and everything hit. And uh, I got into the center torso and the guy next to me, he was kind of watching. He's like, oh, you win. I'm like, oh, what? why do I win? He's like, you got in center torso and the center torso is in water and the water floods into the mech and destroys everything and kills the pilot and everything. And the pilot dies. Oh. Oh, okay. I wasn't used to the, the, that rule as well. So it makes sense. And uh, I've learned from that. So... I'll be a little bit more cognizant of some of the other rules that I don't, I'm not used to playing. So, and go, and it goes back to not playing as much classic as I used to. Or, or in depth. I mean, some of those rules we've never even thought of because we never really ran across that. And you start to get into that competitive tournament kind of. Yep almost tournament where it's like hey it's a blood ride it's pretty serious stuff pretty competitive players like oh well you know if you're playing with no atmosphere and you get a critical hit all the critical components like fly out of the mech I'm like oh I didn't know that well <laughs> like explosive decompression yeah wow that, and, and that's how my second round went uh, me and another guy <laughs> we uh, finally got in range of each other and we had one volley and him his uh his uh, weaponry was aimed pretty much at my center torso. Opened it up and I died. One volley, dead. Uh, all my weapons hit and uh, and I overheated like no other just to, to keep up and... I'm going to cook this mother to the ground. Yeah, and, and that didn't work <laughs> out. So... Uh, but I also realized that I, uh, I, I I did have poor choice in uh, Max. I had the choice in Max. Uh, I picked a good choice for his because he had the uh, uh, like a four four pilot. But I gave him the weaker, uh, the the weaker Mac, the one that he didn't chew, uh, start with. And I I should have gone with the Phoenix Hawk since it was uh, a cityscape uh, with the jump jets, but. I did not. So, instead of going home with a Warhammer, I go home with a Phoenix Hawk. I would would have liked the Warhammer, but um, Phoenix Hawk looks pretty cool too. So, and I kept the sheet. <laughs> I'm keeping this. I'm not Fine. throwing it away. <laughs> Taking this stop me so I had fun um the guy I went against the first round it was his like fourth or fifth blood right uh 
and he's always got blister packs and I felt really bad for <laughs> giving him another blister pack so but not really it's it's clan technology you have to pick was it you had to pick a 3145 uh, I don't know <laughs> I, I should have asked too. The, uh, what did you think of the event, Andrew? Same as it always is. Uh, you get a lot of the same players back, and you see a lot of the same players in advance. Um, I think it goes to what Tommy was saying that you get new players or fringe players that show up and they don't necessarily know what they're getting into and when that competitive nature hits so people kind of clam up oh yeah or they're just like is that really a rule or and that happens too I've talked with a lot of people that when the game is over they'll describe what happened and unfortunate the people that they were playing against took advantage of them. I would say yes. that um, uh, despite my name, I do not play very many clan mechs. Which means I really don't know which clan mechs are good and which ones aren't. And uh, I've, I've played in two or three blood rites over the years and I don't generally like them as much as other games. Simply, it's it's the dueling nature. It's uh, uh, you know, there's so many different mechs. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't so good. And uh, it ends up being a a style of play that I don't have as much fun as. Versus, you get a bunch of guys playing a big battle and there's 20 mechs on the field and stuff like that. I much prefer the large battles with lots of players over the dueling nature that is the blood right. And I think, too, the people that you play against really defines whether you're going to have a good game or a good experience or not. Yeah, one of, one of the things that had happened to me in one of my blood rights is that the guy I was playing with had a chance at a critical and rolled a 12, which is going to be really bad for me. And, you know, I reached for my token to turn it in and, you know, have him re-roll. And by the time I got to it, he'd already started rolling the crits. And then he was like, oh, you can only have me re-roll the last roll I made. And that was just the... I would have waited and given the other guy a chance to have me re-roll the 12. I wouldn't have gone straight to rolling and then said, oh, and now you can't have me re-roll the 12. You know, it's just, it's a type of play that I prefer. And I think in a lot of ways, because the blood right, you get some really cool prizes for winning. You get professional painted mechs. And I think it gets some people to wanting to push a little harder to win. And I just prefer the more casual play. Again, don't be a dick. <laughs> you 
know, I, uh, I, I completely agree that, uh, when it comes to like, a, a, a using your token or your, your credit or whatever it is, I had that as well where, okay, I'm going to use this and opponents were more than willing to be, okay, which, which die roll was it? The obvious one that was going to kill me. Right. And I, I, I allowed the same, you know, parlay with other opponents too. Like, nope, oh, no, I'm going to turn this in. I'm like, okay, which, which roll did you want? This one. I'm like, okay, well, we'll just re-roll them then. No problem. Well, the, the people that are there to have fun and help people along, when they roll something, they'll ask, do you want to edge this? Right. Because yes. a lot of yes. us, we don't play with Edge. Right. I would. Right. I, I don't know if I've used Edge in any of my Blood Rack games because I never remember that I have it. Mm-hmm. Last year, I made that. I made that mistake of not using it. I waited for a headshot that never took place, and I should have used it on a, a torso critical hit. And then this this year, I, I used it every time. And I probably used it too early on a critical hit when I took a head capper. <laughs> so it's, it's just, you know, it is that random thing of, oh, you use it or lose it or whatever. It's up to you. Yeah, Battletech is one of those very interesting games that is both tactical, strategic, and completely and utterly random. Everybody yes. has the story of the Vulcan walking onto the field with an AC-2 and shooting across the field, hitting the center torso, possible crit, blows out the engine, blows out the gyro, whatever it is, and the pristine Atlas on the other side of the field is now dead. It doesn't happen very often. It's something you may have seen once in your life. But it's something that you will always remember as rib. And, and, and you look to all the players that were there when it happened. You remember that time? And everybody's going, yeah. And it's it's one of those very when, interesting aspects of Battletech that doesn't happen in a lot of other games. When John drowned in the blood bank? Glug, glug. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I think you have to tell that story. We had a kid. A we had a kid this last blood name. They were playing Trace Atmosphere, and his uh, the head got an internal structure hit. He died. There, there, oh, yeah. one, one of one of our mutual friends uh, was uh, playing in in uh, it was blood Rider. blood Rider blood name, and he uh, had taken a head hit early in the game, so he was out of armor. And he took a lot of damage, failed the roll to stay up, uh, and fell into water. And no armor. No armor on the head, and he just drowned. And uh, he uh, brought that up, and uh, I was feeling a little snarky at the time, and I said, Hey, glug glug. Which means he needed a beer. <laughs> he doesn't drink. That's the unfortunate part. I don't think anybody would ever drop and drink for 
Battletech, would they? What? I don't think so. It's not like a. It's like an X-wing thing, isn't it? It's a beer and pretzels game. But uh, there was that. Uh, there was that guy next to me. The, the first round who played Marv. He was Marv and him were three turns in, and what? What he got a phone call or something or a text message, and he he basically said, "Hey, I I have to leave." He went to go play. He had a spot in the pods. Oh, that's right. He had a he had, he gave up his sixteen dollar ticket and a chance that you know probably a couple hundred dollars worth of miniatures with the amount of time and the paint and the assembly and the pewter itself, you know, being like top dog and the bragging rights. He gave it up for a a Fallout game. Yeah. For What's a, important hey, is what's important. To, to each their own. As long as he had fun, that's fine, but I, I, I really, I looked at him funny. <laughs> It's, it's a question. <laughs> Me, I live an hour and a half away from a center that does, that I can go in once or twice, you know, once a month, go to easily if I want to, and play a few games. There's some people kinda, who are... Envious. There, there are some people who are not within five hours, not within ten hours of a Battletech center. That's this, Battletech pod. That's this guy. And uh, it's, it's honestly... If you have never had the chance to play the Battletech pods, and you have a chance to play it, you're going to jump at it, because it might be five years before you get another shot. I, I have yet, for the for the two Gen Cons I've, I've been to, I have yet to get in a pod. And you're not going to do it at Gen Con. You guys are going to come up I'm here not, a weekend, because, and we're going to go spend an because, afternoon. Because I know that when that blue moon hits, we're going to go up there for a whole day. It'll be a better you know, pay ratio per game. And it'll be a lot more fun because you can go to the actual facility. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take as many other jerks along to rav each other up Potter. in pods as much as we can. <laughs> I, I have they, been at, at Gen Con where I ended up missing a game. You know, I was doing something and got back too late. You know, and the guy apologized, and, you know, I'm sorry you had to fill somebody in your pod. And I'm like, I don't mind. Somebody got to play the game that maybe wouldn't have gotten to play the game if I'd been there. Somebody who's possibly never played the game at all, or maybe just some kid who happened to be there. And, uh, like I said, I get enough chance to play the game. I don't mind if I miss a game. And I'd be happy to have someone else play it. So, I'm lucky in that way. Well, I know that, to that, there's a guy who sees Gen Con every year. It's called Science Shadowcat. And I'll bet he spends 250 300 bucks. He's there just to play the pods. Uh, my first Gen Con, dedication. I've worked the pods. And that was probably the most fun was Sunday afternoon when people didn't show up and being able to go through the crowd and grab the young kids and throw them in and watch their face and their smile come out when they're done. That was a lot of fun. Anyway. And they got a patch. Sure. Yeah, patches are awesome. Hey, I rode in a 
Thor or, uh, you know, Deimos. See? Got a patch, Mom. Patch. It's awesome. Patch. They come out with a nice little big piece of, you know, standard paper that says all the times they blew somebody up. You know, the time somebody blew them up. The, the time they nailed somebody with an AC-20 and critted them and set their ammo into kaboom. And, you know, it tells all the highlights of what they did. And it shows the mech they did it with. It's this awesome little sheet that's, that says what you did in the fight. And it's it's fun just to read it to see what are the highlights of the program get for you. Yeah, you guys got to come up. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to... Uh, James Laughlin and Jeremy for putting on a great event for the, the Bud Ride as always. The, the 15 minutes they have to shout out, you know, is anybody else signing up for the Blood Ride? Need to come up here and sign in? Like, oh, you poor guy. <laughs> but they do, they do a great job of painting miniatures, setting up a, a crap ton of tables, and it's just something you have to experience, I think, in my... It's, it's like a it's like a bucket list thing right there, I think I would have. So, moving along. We t- we actually put on a couple... I mean, this, was, this wasn't really on the event list, but we did go to your hotel lobby and take over the large table at uh, the Holiday Inn, Andrew. Mm-hmm. And we did set up a couple Alpha Strike games and Classic and... Was I not mistaken at how many, what, 20, 30 people that stopped by the table asking what we were doing? Oh, this is that game. I've wanted to check this game out. Hey, come down at 8 o'clock. We're going to put on another game. Would you like to run a lance we could give you for the for the gameplay? Yes, I will. I'll be here. I'm like, great. What an opportunity to get some new players, some experience, and just... Hey, this is just a fun pickup game we're playing. You want to turn it into a demo? Yes. No, that was it worked out absolutely perfectly to have the ability to show people the game at the hotel and have people have fun doing it. Um, this Gen Con, I have to say, was probably my favorite. I had three events. We had our event, Blood Name, and Masters and Minions. And the whole time we were there, Matt, you and I, we found time to play and did different things. And it was just relaxed. Didn't have to worry about running someplace. We just got to roll dice and have fun. Well, we, we did kind of have to run after, um, let's see, battle value for the, oh. the cup. Well... Which, which was fun, though. It, that was fun. It was, again, my game was, I was dead before I stepped on the field. So, yeah, next year we're, slowly faded away. Next year we're going to get after that. Yeah, so we're going to try and do the, the the Agent Cup next year and be ready for that more. Um, our host game, we almost kind of lost our data. Yeah, I can, I can talk horribly <laughs> about Aaron. And he'll hear it, eh. and he admits, but he's already heard. They it. had some shit go down. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I forgot this. It happens, but 
Here's the nice thing though. We were ready to fill in and fix it no matter what. We had we had what we needed to get the job done. Um, I think I lost five pounds in that 20 minutes before the game trying to scramble to get everything together. You, you were. You were sweating a lot. <laughs> yeah, we got it done. And, uh, we got it done. Yeah, it was a great event either way, hands down. And uh, that event that we had where we basically just played in the lobby, uh, we had fun having like a trinary on trinary with ghost bears and dragoons, and that was fun too, where we mixed battle armor, hover tanks, and battle mechs. Yeah. That was a blast. That was fun. We, we ran into a we ran into a problem there too, where we had battle armor in the same hex as a mech, where we were trying to resolve battle armor and mech physical and swarm attack in the same hex. How does that work? <laughs> I have exactly. no idea how that works. <laughs> I have never run into that situation before. So. Here, here is one. We're reaching out to the rule makers. I'll post it on the forum. The, and, well, yeah, they'll hear it too for fun because anybody who can give us the correct stack answer of you have a star of elementals, swarm attacking a mech, they're all moving into the same hex. The, the, battle, the battle mech does physical attack by kicking, stomping, whatever. You have the elemental swarming physical attack. What takes precedence? I mean, does the mech... I mean, it should all happen at the same time. I would imagine the elementals keep swarming until the battle mech does physical enough damage to destroy them until they can't swarm attack. But how do you resolve that in the same 10 seconds? Yeah, it's... (laughs) I'm missing something. Anyway... <laughs> yeah, we were at a loss when it come to like the, the the rule guide and the the total warfare. Okay, so we're gonna go through a few short ones yet, and then we're gonna do some shout outs to cap this off. How about we just skip to the shout outs? Or you want, what do you got? Okay, let's go. Well, this is a fun okay. one. Everybody can answer. What is the most demoralizing weapon in Battletech you would choose to put on a mech? Your small laser. Or if, if I wanted to uh, mess up somebody, uh, you know, I would say the LB-20X in cluster mode. There are few <laughs> weapons as evil as seeing someone pull that out. That's just a dick move because you got to roll all those dice. <laughs> I think I've had that happen to me once, and it was fun to watch all the die rolls to see if all the little pellets hit. That's why I got the box of death. Well, yeah, yeah. So, basically, Andrew has a fishing tackle box, just 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 one of the one of the tiny boxes with. What twenty different little twenty, 20 compartments boxes inside? Twenty compartments and two two d six per twenty compartments. And he shakes it up, and there's all your missile or your AC twenty pellets if they hit or miss. How long did it take to put you to, to put that together? 
two days for shipping. I'm going to have to buy in bulk. Okay. Who else has got a demoralizing weapon? Mine is the flamer. That extra weapon on the Puma Prime that Tommy never uses. <laughs> Flamers and that small door. lasers are door stops. Replace them for armor. I can't. <laughs> that was a uh, quote from the uh, Battletech CCG game. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I still play CCG with Tommy or whoever I can, and I still collect the cards. Me too. And I can't wait. You do? Oh, yes. I when we, I have when, a few of them. Up. Let's not derail this conversation. <laughs> next, time, next time we meet, bring your decks. I think uh, uh, the, the small laser is uh, a good idea, but I, I, I think a heavy small is uh, the way to go. Fair enough. Okay. Shout outs. Let's go ahead and just wrap her up. We've gone over almost two hours now. I have a shout out to um, Who was I thinking of? <laughs> My goodness. I gotta quit drinking when I do podcasts. That one guy or that one person from that one time? You know the, mm-hmm. that thing with the guy in the place? Mm-hmm. With the Mac? Yeah. Oh, my shout-out. I, I got a shout-out. Uh, give a shout-out to Cattles. Give a shout-out to Mary. Um, Craig. All the people who put on the events and get everything set up for us at Gen Hub. Do a fantastic job every year. And... We had a lot of fun. So, I'll do a shout out to uh, Blaine Lee Pardo, who's uh, well. After a lot of years, he is back and writing good stories that are getting published. And this is going to be a big year, thanks in a lot part to him. Agreed. I'm going to piggyback that with my shout out. Um, I just remembered there was a gentleman when we were playing Masters of Minions or just before we got started and I remember seeing him last year as well at um, the Catalyst booth and he was waiting so patiently and being um, uh, very nice waiting for uh, people walking by talking with uh, Pardo and he was so emotional uh, bringing up a novel that he wanted to get signed and you can see his, his lower lip trembling and he knows who he is and this that that's that's just so awesome that he's got that much feeling to you know meet one of his favorite authors and have the chance to get a signed copy of you know something that really meant a lot to him and that's my shout out to that gentleman I don't know his name but I remember him from, you know, two years in a row where I've uh, I've witnessed him uh, getting quite emotional getting a, a signature, and 
that's that's that is uh, that's priceless. That's cool. Pretty neat. People, I remember people him too. going, people going to a convention. You know, spending days out of their work week, taking the time to travel. You know, minutes, hours, days, even to get there and to experience something so much fun. And it's so raw that it's, that's just that's priceless. Howdy. I'd like to shout out to uh, James and Jeremy. They did a awesome job at the uh, the Blood Rite. I thought uh, they did a really good job. So here, here, I'll shout out to them too because uh, having those two there to help with the rules and to help Mr. With, Dick, you know, some of those. <laughs> Some of those players, when you need that moral support of not reaching across the table or just flipping the whole thing over and saying, I'm done. So, shout outs for their patience and their uh, social community personality. And for painting all those mechs. <laughs> hey, uh, Matt, remind me. Yes next, early next week the thing that I talked to you about. Just say that to me. What? I gotta reach out to James. Oh. So do I. I kind of want the results for um, the the whole uh, uh, winning list or the, the, the turnout for the, the blood name you know, which mechs did what. Because the funny thing is, is that <coughs> you had a Thor and do, running the numbers per um, bracket that I can find of each blood name or blood right is that the Thor is used the most, the highest percentage, but it also has the highest death rate too because, I mean, obviously, you can only have one. Finish him. <laughs> So it'll be neat to get some of those results and see, you know, what chassis are kind of doing better. But, you know, like they say, there's a lot of chance, not just strategy and tactics. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to get off. All right, well, with that, thank you to listeners, and uh, please... uh, continue to listen and we'll uh, have more uh, podcasts out for you. We want to thank you for uh, supporting and talking to us and giving us ideas and and feedback so please give us some more feedback at um, our websites. Andrew you got the list of those? (laughs) You can reach us through email at wnrp at wolfstragoons.com We also have a Facebook page wnrp WolfNet Radio Podcast. Uh, hit us up. It's a closed closed group. We don't discriminate, but we just want to know who's joining so we can make sure we say greetings and make sure that we have some communication. Um, my website, wolfstragoons.com. Uh, I can always be reached through there. And yeah, that, that's what we got. And with that, Have a pleasant evening and a glorious tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Have a good one.
Medron, I like your... Oh, he just left. I was going to say I'm by myself now. 